It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish over there. Uh, We've got a good show for you this week. We're going to uh, recap a huge commitment for Texas, Uh, actually two big commitments for Texas since the last time we've talked to you, Uh, and kind of look ahead at what's on the horizon, and then we're going to scratch that football itch uh, with the season upcoming. Before we do all that, Hudson, how's it going? Good, Mike. When people are going to be listening to this, it'll be 22 days until kickoff against Louisiana Monroe, 29 days until kickoff against Alabama. So we are barreling towards the start of the season. It's really excited. Uh, Let's get into it. It feels like once a day I get a text from Hudson that is like a this many days until Bama, this many days until the Red River shootout, this many days until the World Cup. Uh, this many, I get like, uh, I've, so I've somehow landed on a subscription for like a bunch of countdowns. I didn't know I needed the world cup one. We're getting close to a hundred days for that, which uh, again, I'm going to have a tweet in the drafts ready to go at like 7am that day. Oh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, you're listening to this. We're actually recording it right before he makes the announcement, but, uh, we're going to trust that all of our intel is good, and we're going to break down the commitment of Cedric Baxter, um, who uh, we expect to commit to Texas today as we're recording this. And Hudson, we talked about it a lot in the last couple of weeks. I've written it a couple of times. I spoke to a source um, in the college world who said that Baxter potentially has the biggest on-field impact for Texas out of anybody in this class. They think his talent is that good. Um, you know, we've watched a lot of him and I think it went from a, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. This to Florida running back to kind of really looking into him and, and looking into full games. And, uh, you know, we've watched a couple and man, he's really impressive. I'll tell you that. I know a lot of people are searching for comps on him. I've heard like Todd Gurley is one. I think Cooper, yeah. Cooper Patagna came up with Cedric Benson, which I actually really like given the, when you watch him, just how big he is, but how well he moves, you know, for his size. All in all, you know, how would you sum this one up for Texas? It's one of the biggest wins of the cycle. According to 24-7 Sports, he's the second highest rated player in the class behind Arch Manning. And it is a statement recruiting victory for Tashard Choice on the trail. Not only do you beat in-state rival Texas A&M, You also beat a Miami squad that's been hot on the recruiting trail with Mario Cristobal and Florida, who a lot of people thought that Baxter kind of profiled too early on in his recruitment. So, I mean, Mike, it's 
by far one of the uh, premier recruiting wins of the cycle. And like you were saying, the almost immediate on-field performance that Texas can expect next year is pretty dang encouraging. I mean, Texas has a stable of backs. Uh, obviously, this year with uh, Bijan Robinson, Rashawn Johnson, Keelan Robinson. But when you look to next year, Baxter is going to join a group with Jonathan Brooks, who's been really impressive early in his Texas career, and Jaden Blue that, you know, kind of might be able to keep the momentum going, even though obviously any team would suffer after losing a guy like uh, B. John Robinson, as we expect to the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to assume those top two guys, Bijan and Rashawn, at the very least are gone next year. Yeah, I think it's probably fairly safe to assume that Keelan Robinson makes the jump to the NFL and just tries to go in, you know, add a little more production this year and show off his speed at the Combine or in Pro Days and try to catch on that way. So you are looking for an opportunity where somebody could come in and battle right away with Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, and the guys on campus. Trey Weisner, we should also mention, also already in the class. He'll be in the mix for that as well. But Baxter can do all of those things. He is a true workhorse back. Uh, 6'1", is where we have him listed. I swear when you watch the film, he looks <laughs> like every bit of it, and that's not always the case. Um, and this is one that I think we feel pretty good about. We, we got good intel early, early in this recruitment on – on uh, Baxter, and we stuck to our guns with it. And once we did, we were kind of locked into it. And, um, you know, going back to the spring, he made that visit. And I was a little skeptical on if they could land a kid like him with the schools recruiting him. And then, you know, we heard going into his June visit and then especially coming out of it, like, hey, Texas is not only in this race, they are, you know, potentially the leader. And a lot of that has to do with Deshaun Choice. Mike, I vividly remember he calling you in uh, Target parking lot after I heard from a source and being like, look, they really think they're going to get Cedric Baxter. And, you know, we had the conversation and it was a good one of let's just before we report too much confidence, see how the visit goes, because you never know. And then I can't remember exactly what followed next. I believe it was a Florida official. After Baxter took his Texas official, and we heard a ton of good news, but then after that Florida official, when it kind of seemed like there wasn't much buzz there, mm-hmm. I think we kind of figured it out that you know, Tashard Choice might have just grabbed, you know, the second, if not the best running back in the country. And somebody that obviously not just Tashard Choice, but the entire Texas recruiting staff has just really fallen in love with. Let's talk about that because we've mentioned it a couple of times and obviously going into the year, and I think if Stan Drayton was still here, the top target would have been Ruben Owens. Um, That's who Texas was in on. That's who they were. And look, we we think Ruben Owens is a phenomenal talent at running back. He's going to be great at whether, you know, if wherever he ends up, whether it be Louisville or, or wherever. Um, we, we, we really like Ruben. He's got just about everything you want in a running back. But Hudson, you you were with me when we were in El Campo in the spring and I talked to Ruben and he had said, I haven't really heard from Tashar Choice in a couple of weeks. And we thought that was really odd at the time. Um, And then it kind of started to become apparent that they're kind of, they're targeting um, 
Cedric Baxter more than they were Ruben Owens. And, you know, at that point, right when we talked to him, they were extremely close. I think within the next three or four days, they picked up the commitment from Trey Wisner. Um, and then they've been kind of all on Cedric Baxter. I remember talking to a, a source close to the staff who said, yeah, you know, we like Ruben and obviously we've got history there, but like, we're really trying to see what this Baxter kid's about because we think he is such a game-changing talent. And right, wrong, and different, whether, you know, that is the, that's the evaluation the staff made. And I, I mentioned it last week. It reminds me a lot of Texas choosing to go in on Bijan Robinson and away from Zach Evans when things looked a little tricky there. <clears throat> and in a lot of ways, uh, Cedric Baxter, uh, at least the recruitment, reminds me of Bijan Robinson's. I mean, just very like low key, doesn't talk to a ton of media. Um, and I remember the first time I heard, hey, like, Texas is probably going to get, like, I had a guy in Arizona that was very close to Bijan say, Texas is probably going to get Bijan Robinson. Um, and just kind of like the, the skepticism I met that with, it was probably a, around the same with this. And I know you and I started hearing that confidence on Baxter and um, putting it together right after his visit. And we were, uh, we, we kind of stuck to our guns on that one. Absolutely. And Mike, it's so interesting too, because with Baxter, he kind of is like the Florida version of Bijan Robinson. And obviously that is a wild comp, but what I mean with how he's handled his recruitment and kind of how he's slowly surged to probably ending up as when it's all said and done, a composite five-star. Um, I do think if you're comparing their games, I think that probably Baxter does not have the jump cut ability and the ability to stat cuts that Robinson has, but kind of no running back does. I think at the high school level, Bijan did have a little bit of a better feel for um, just what, what hole would be open kind of reading plays vision, but I don't know. It feels silly to say, but it feels like Baxter also has a higher gear and can kind of get to that gear a little bit quicker. Yeah, I would say, look, I, you know, I, I would say Bijan Robinson doesn't leave anything on the field um, when he when he's out there. He sees everything. But you are right in that I do think when he when Baxter kicks into that second gear and goes, it's a lot more sudden and a lot more explosive. It's almost like um, I compared it the other day to it's it's like a almost like a Ferrari changing gears. Like you can almost hear it gearing up and it's powerful and explodes into the next gear and all that sort of thing. And um, whereas Bijan, I mean, we love his top gear. She's very smooth. You don't see the, the changes. Sure. Um, and there's not as much of the short distance boom as there is like when, when Baxter hits, hits the turbo. So um, yeah, I, I would say, in my time covering recruiting, Cedric Baxter is the second most talented running back Texas has landed outside of Bijan Robinson. Um, and I think I, I think I feel safe in saying that. I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm sure there's, um, you know, maybe some others uh, that I really like. But I, I do think Baxter's right there. And as far as even just guys I've scouted, guys that Texas has been after, I think he fits right there in that second tier right behind Bijan and, and a guy like Zach Evans. I think he's right, you know, maybe a, ha a step or a half step down. I'm with you. One thing I will say, um, I cannot remember who said this out of kind of my friend group, so apologies, but they were basically talking about Baxter and 
while we don't have any verified speed on him, <laughs> one of my friends made the comment of he plays in Florida's highest classification against some of the best, you know, fastest players. And I've never seen him get caught from behind once. And when we were watching games, it, he sure doesn't. Yeah, and I think he ran for like eight and a half yards to carry, 1,700 yards. I mean, like the 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 verified uh, at least production is there. Um, it would be great to have like a 10-8 on him or something like that, right? Uh, but – you know, at, at this point, I think uh, I think everybody's going to be really happy uh, with this addition. And and this is another big. We went out of state and won a recruitment, and you know, it was a highly contested recruitment for a major player. I think this is a guy we've talked a lot about who could end up a five star in this class. Look, as of right now, he's at number thirty one in the top two four seven. If the cutoff was today, he would be a five star. Um, so he's certainly in that territory. I think if we had verified numbers on him that match what we saw on film, he would be a no doubter uh, for five stars. But we don't, so we're just gonna have to kind of see how that plays out. But um, yeah, I just I I really love the pickup. I think it, it bodes extremely well for Tashar Choice, who has shown, hey, I'll go out of state in 2024. He's all in on IMG Academy's Jarrett Gibson, who's the number one running back in the country, and a guy that I think has Texas extremely high early on in 2025. He's all in on Jordan Davison from modern day um, who, who again could be like the top running back in the country. So um, there are, uh, there are a few guys that, that he's, he, I, I don't get the feeling to choice. Doesn't think he can go anywhere in the country oh, yeah. and, and not want to recruit. He, he knows he can go nationally at the running back position, but also anywhere else too. Like Damon Wilson, a five-star that we're going to talk about later, Deshard Choice, you know, has no qualms about going into Venice, Florida and primarying or secondarying a recruitment for a, you know, five-star edge. I will say, too, because even though he goes national, sometimes you do get those coaches to where, okay, they're going national, but they're not really developing those relationships in-state. He's crushed it with James Peoples. He's crushed it with um, Jeremy Payne at Fort Bend Hightower. And it seems like he's got off to a really good start with 2025 Colleyville Heritage running back Riley Wormley. So... He's kind Trey of – what would you say? Trey Wisner. Trey Wh – exactly. And that's what I was going to say is that he's kind of pairing, you know, going for the national best with also finding these running back two or, you know, just figuring out um, the in-state guys that fit what he wants to do best. So really encouraging stuff from Tashar Choice. And uh, we'll probably – I don't think – here's what I'm trying to say here, Mike. We're going to record uh, a draft later that has not been recorded yet, and I might give you or me points for a pick that is uh, Brennan Marion and Tashard Choice bringing the juice for Texas and kind of uh, – it's become a little bit of a cliche, a little bit of a trope, but the truth is both of them have just killed it so much on the recruiting trail and everything we hear from fall camp is so encouraging that it's just kind of the truth. Those things only become tropes because there is some truth to them. You know, if, if there was no truth, it's not something people would be talking about. Okay, uh, we released our show on Friday, and it released before the announcement. We did, uh, I, I feel like, preview it the best way we could. Uh, but Texas also landed a commitment from Darian Gallette, uh, a linebacker. Now from TIG, Texas. We, I'm just so used to saying Marlon. Um, not the case anymore for Darian, as we detailed last week. But... 
again, a big need, especially after missing out on Anthony Hill. They needed a high-profile inside linebacker type, and especially one with the athletic specs that Galette has. Yeah, and I think that there was starting to be almost like a mini-narrative of, oh, Texas is recruiting well on offense, but they're not on defense because they had missed out on Anthony Hill, Colton Vosick, and Braylon Shelby kind of back-to-back-to-back. Well, there's Darian Gallette, one of the prized recruits in the 2023 class in state that they get over Texas A&M head-to-head and also kind of held off Ohio State, Alabama, and a bunch of other out-of-state schools that, uh, you know, really love that type of player. Mike, I think that Darian Gallette, because of his injury, uh, and if you didn't know, he does have a season-ending knee injury. I cannot remember the exact specifics, but because of that injury, I don't think he's going to get a ton of positive rankings update, but that's somebody that when he was healthy in the spring, we were considering like a top 10, top 15 player in the state. Yeah, we thought the athletic profile was so good. And look, I was very clear that I had seen him last fall and wasn't super impressed with what I saw on the field. Now, a lot of that was the way he was being utilized at the time and and those sorts of things. But his fall or his spring really kind of turned me around on him because he was just so impressive in basketball and on the track. And, you know, when you can kind of get those athletic tools and put them together and have the kid adjust to playing linebacker at the at the big level, it, it works out more times than it doesn't, I feel like. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it was huge for Texas, big for Jeff Choate, um, who continues to, I think, silence the haters uh, in this cycle. And, uh, you know, we'll see kind of uh, – how things, you know, how he develops. Uh, Galette will be enrolling early, so that's an important body they'll have on campus next spring. Um, And right now he's just focused on kind of rehabbing that knee. And not to mention, you want to talk about Jeff Choate, that's two guys that he's beaten Ohio State head-to-head for in uh, Galette and Samaji Burrell. Absolutely, Mike. And getting uh, Leona Leifa, who we'll talk about as well, that's three out of the four big targets for Jeff Choate that he got. So, again, great cycle for him. And last thing for me, at least, on Galette, this is also somebody who can kind of have that spin-down possibility as well. I could absolutely see Galette excelling in that buck role, which is the linebacker-edge hybrid for Texas. So while he is being recruited as an off-ball linebacker, with his explosiveness and frame, I could see him being used in a couple of different ways. And their utilization of DeMarvian Overshone so far in the fall does suggest that Pete Kukowski and Jeff Choate and those guys on the defensive staff aren't afraid to move around weapons uh, like pieces on a chessboard. So that's encouraging. And with the early enrollee part, especially coming off of an injury, if the rehab doesn't go well or there are some sort of complications, it just gives Darian Gillette such a better runway to start his Texas career, then potentially showing up in July. And then if there are complications, you're kind of lost in the shuffle as the team heads into the season, getting that, getting that ability to make sure that your knee is structurally okay with, you know, Texas's state of the art, you know, facilities and everything like that is just going to be massive for his development. It makes me feel a lot better about kind of where I have him personally ranked, even though he will be missing out on a senior football season. 
Yeah, um, so the next up for Texas is, uh, I think that Texas fans should pay attention to, uh, will be August 15th, um, and that will be the announcement of Jordan Matthews, the four-star corner out of Baton Rouge Woodlawn. We could talk this over again. I think we've been very clear for the better part of almost a year now of where I think things stand with Jordan Matthews. I just think Texas has done the work that nobody else did in that early part of the recruitment, and I think they're so far out in front. It, it Tennessee made a credible push during the spring and early summer, but I, I, I still think it'll be Texas when it comes down to it. Also, Mike, you know, if the trend line holds, if Jordan Matthews does end up uh, committing and then signing with Texas, this might be a little bit hyperbolic for you, but that's the defensive back I'm the most excited about in the class. I think he is a perfect fit for what they want to do. And I think he pairs the athletic profile with the tape and just kind of a well-rounded full skill set that I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Matthews ended up contributing next season. Like I, I'm that high on him as a player. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. All right. Um, and then, you know, we're down to this conversation we keep having every week where it's like, okay, well, who else is going to be out there that's going to be uncommitted? And I mean, it is, it's literally, you know, it's it's starting to dwindle. I mean, if Texas Texas has C.J. Baxter in the class, right, we're talking about two guys on the offensive side of the ball that they're still after in Jalen Hale and Deuce Robinson. Say they miss on Deuce Robinson, they're probably done at tight end, right? If they miss on Jalen Hale, maybe they pivot. It, they find another receiver, but like that's kind of it. It's a narrow scope on the defensive side of the ball. They're probably done at linebacker unless Anthony Hill decides he wants to change his mind. You know, I think they could add obviously Matthews, they'd like to add JV and Taviano, maybe another safety if that's the case. And then you're talking about adding some edge players and some D line players. We are down to like the nitty gritty in. Uh, August, and that is a almost like weird, uh, scary feeling. Hudson, I went on Texas Football Today, the Dave Campbell show the other day, and uh, Greg Tepper said, "Hey, it's it, it seems like recruiting is going well for Texas," and I said, "Almost too well for us, you know, from a content standpoint." Listen, Marcus Deal's going to have some articles written about him. That's for sure. Like the, Marcus Deal's going to get like Marcus Deal. Marcus Steele knows me pretty well. He sees me a lot. He's going to get like, I think at some point I'm just going to be invited over for dinner at some point because yeah, I'll be around that much. And I'll just be like, I don't know who else, uh, Marcus. I No one else to go see. Why don't you hurry up and make this decision and we can, uh, then we can really pack it in, you know? Exactly. So like the few guys who have decided to, and you know, the few guys who text the Texas staff is okay with them making their decision in December, I mean, those are going to kind of be it. There's a decent chance that Texas starts the year or goes um, into the UTSA game with 24 or 25 commits, uh, basically a full class. Then, like you kind of said, Mike, it's all about the guys like Marcus Deal, the guys like JV and Toviano, and potentially flipping one or two priority targets that ended up at other schools. And can you maybe potentially get a jump on that 24 class and add some more, some more guys to that group? You know, that's another thing as well that we could, we could definitely talk about. Um, we are, uh, we are going to talk about maybe what the season has in store. 
Uh, one Texas commit already got his season underway. We're going to discuss that here in a second. But before we do all that, uh, we are going to send you to a word from our sponsors. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. It snuck up on us, but like last week, I was like, "Oh, dang! Kahuku plays like on Friday um, or on Saturday." Uh, you know, we were we're so out of it thinking of you know the Texas high school football schedule, which is still, uh, as you guys are listening, like thirteen days away from from first game, um, and it was like, "Oh man, last week, yeah, the we're we're gonna have a Texas commit to cover." Now we. Had a hard time covering it because uh, finding streams in Hawaii proved to be difficult. But uh, we were able to follow the score. I said, you texted me late that night, Saturday night. Um, and uh, as Kahuku was up on Kamehameha, uh, Kapo, I believe it was Kapalama, uh, I'm going to try not to butcher that as much as possible. I thought it was a good uh, Yeah, I know Kamehameha, obviously, because that's like the famous king. Uh, King Kamehameha in Oh, I thought uh, you were going to go with the Dragon Ball Z reference. I have no clue what that means. Um, I don't, I, you know me, I don't watch Dragon Ball Z. Uh, but like King Kamehameha is a famous Hawaiian uh, king. Um, I, I believe it's Kapalama is the other word with it. But Hudson, they were ranked. I mean, this wasn't a pushover team yeah, that Kahuku played. Team. In, in the state of Hawaii, and it was, I think, 35 nothing at the half, just a casual, casual beatdown at the half. Rides. Yeah. I, we did see an interview with uh, Leona Lefau after the game where he mentioned that, yeah, like by drive three, they were just like, call your own plays. Um, <laughs> and so I think Leona was calling the defense for him just to kind of give him a, a better idea. This is like, this is a. Kahuku has a, a long and storied history on Hawaii, in Hawaiian football, and yet there was a period of time I would call it like the month the Manti Te'ao period and like the the Tua Tagovailoa period where it seemed like a lot of um, the talent went out of that area and went to the private schools that were producing those guys. That talent's coming home at least this year, um, and uh, at least last year and this year. And uh, it, it's going, I think, you know, Kahuku is on a collision course for a state title. I think they've got a really good chance of doing it. Um, Hudson, I have not checked in a few days. In fact, I might ask you to to just vamp for us while I check again to see if um, if Leona Leifau had any clips up from it and uh, wasn't able to. Have you seen anything from it? Uh, you cut out a little bit there, Mike, but I will say I haven't seen any game footage. I think that I think that a couple of the younger players had huddle out, but for Leona, because he only played four drives, I don't believe that he had uh, much footage. And I believe that he – I know that he looked good because we had a couple of uh, Texas fans out in Hawaii – 
who were DMing us, which was much appreciated because they were able to watch on local TV while we were stuck uh, without a stream and said that Leona looked great. But essentially, when you pull them after drive number four, even though it's against a great team in Hawaii, there's only so many kind of takeaways you can have. But like you mentioned with Kahuku, I mean, they're going to probably play for, if not the favorites to win another state title, but in addition to that, they're playing some national powers in St. John Bosco and St. Francis Academy. St. Francis from Maryland, St. John Bosco. Most fans should know one of the two biggest uh, programs in the nation based out of California with modern day. Yeah, so the, the, like you said, they're not only playing that tough schedule in Texas, or I'm sorry, in Hawaii, uh, but they're also playing that big national schedule and they'll see a lot of big time uh, competition. And I think next week, California starts. I think uh, Utah gets started in the next week or so as well. And then, so that'll be important for Tassilia Kana and guys like that. And then before you know it, Hudson, it'll be Texas high school football time and all that entails. And uh, we are certainly excited about the prospects of our fall seasons and uh, and what could come of them. Um before we uh, before we get past this and move on to our next segment, anything else you wanted to touch on here? Just real quick, you did mention the Texas high school football season. Decent chance that we have a fun preview for that. We are both pretty pretty excited about um, that getting back underway, and who knows, maybe even a special guest. We will see what we can do about that. We have a special guest lined up. He's pretty busy, pretty busy. a lot of the time, but I will. But I give him rides to the airport often, so he he might owe me. I'll have to say international see what we can do. Question mark? Yeah, an international superstar we may be bringing on the show. Um, and then, of course, I, I think the fall, for those of you who – I don't know if there's anybody out there that's like, we just love the state of recruiting because of this, but – Guy Frazier will probably make his – we haven't talked about it yet, but I'm, I'm assuming Guy Frazier will likely make his return and we'll pick games this year. So Let's go. Uh, should be should be a lot more fun. I am a little worried. We love our boy Nick, but Nick did a very minimal amount of prep for <laughs> game picks. So, like, I, I could usually handle Nick pretty well, I think. Hudson is a – like, he, he'll be up at 3 a.m. looking into these games. So now I'm worried about my record. I, you know. Worried about what it could be. Also, the the dynamic last year on the state of recruiting was very much a guy and Mike kind of teaming up on Nick because Nick's picking, you know, Nick's making Nick picks, which, again, we adore Nick. But now we kind of are in an office, uh, the office Mexican standoff where anybody can get turned on in the three uh, – on the three-man standoff with you, me, and Guy. So, I mean – it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun dynamic. I'm excited for it. I, I hope that we get a little bit more combative. That's my New Year's resolution for picks: is that we just start, you know, going after each other about you know Toler versus Ganado. Yeah, Hudson wants like full on armed combat in this thing, and yeah. uh, you know. I like you know me, Hudson. If it's a three A or below game, I just don't care that much. Um, unless there's a reason to care. Here's what so, I will say, though, Mike, is that... I'm a big it, school Mike, you know? For sure. But I will say this. You're going to have your moments where you're going to be ready for combat. If the Colleen Harker Heights versus DeSoto conversation would have happened on the air last year, you, you would have it been did. ready to joust me. 
but but for sure, if we were being oh, the one I had with you, yeah, yeah, the one I had with you. No, I mean it played out with Guy and Nick sitting here telling me about how Harker Heights was just going to run DeSoto's show, and me sitting here going, I don't know, guys. DeSoto's played in a lot of playoff games. Harker Heights really hasn't. Uh, I think that matters. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll have fun. Look, we're already getting a little contentious here. Love that. Um, so, real quick so, before we go, do you want to talk a little bit of fall camp, or do you want to save it? Yeah, I mean, we've talked the last couple of weeks just a little football, just to scratch our own our own personal itches um, for the thing. And Hudson, you were uh, last week. You spent the evening over at my house, and no lie, we watched uh, the Baylor, the Texas Baylor game. Yikes! Um, and then what else did we? Uh, we needed a palate cleanse, so we watched the Texas Tech seventy burger. Yeah, and then we watched like 10 college football hype-up videos to get us going, and we were like, my wife came home and was like, what a bunch of nerds you two are. Real quick, for the chat, uh, because we're back on YouTube, in the comments, just what's your favorite college football entrance? I, I'm i kind of split between Inner Sandman at Virginia Tech and Sandstorm at South Carolina. I love them both a ton. Um so just just out of curiosity across the nation, what are some of the best? Honestly, I think Texas has stepped up the entrance game in the past five years or so. Yeah, I mean, Inner Sandman is hard to beat. I would also – I love – I do love the Florida State, like yeah. the, the spear and all that. That's It's pretty cool. I will say my underrated one that I shared with you last week that I love is ECU – uh, coming out of the pirate ship through the purple smoke with purple haze by Jimi Hendrix playing. I think that's a great, uh, a great bit. I don't know if they still do it. I know they were doing it back in the Lincoln Riley, Ruffin McNeil days uh, in East Carolina, but that's one of my favorites as well. Uh, we also so what do you want? What do you want to hit on for for fall camp? Um, I mean, it's kind of what everybody wants to talk about right now as we barrel towards uh, a decision. So. It's it's seeming like we're getting closer to the home stretch, and you know, obviously, it's all on Steve Sarkeesian's timeline. If he doesn't see what he's looking for, he's not going to rush to make a decision. But from kind of some sources we've talked to behind the scenes, uh, and just kind of what we've heard all spring, it seems like there's a chance that a decision could be made as early as you know next week, Mike. So. We're getting into that home stretch leading into the season, and it's really excited who's going to win the quarterback battle, Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card. Like, we might have an answer um, in less than a week. I can't remember where or if I'm attributing this to even the right person, but I feel like I heard Sark say at one of the many offseason things, like, I do want to name my guy at this point in time, uh, by this point in time, so we can move forward with game prep now. I also went to coaching school where I heard like 20 head coaches talk about quarterback battles. So like, it's totally possible. Joey McGuire could have said that and I'm attributing it to him. Um, but, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them want to have a starter named going into la- like final couple of weeks of, of fall camp. And what Sark said uh, on the record multiple times was that he wants the decision to be made earlier than last season. Mm-hmm. And just so that, from yeah, which is fair. I think it, it gives you more of an uh, an advantage when it comes to playing reps and, and things like that. Absolutely, and make sure that the team kind of understands, okay, this is the guy. It's unquestioned. 
and you know just gives that lead way so it that's really exciting um other than that mike i mean i don't have a ton else to add that we haven't reported um throughout horns 24 7 i mean kind of all eyes are just going to be on this saturday scrimmage yeah and uh scrimmage talk's always fun because it's always like well i heard this did you hear this and yeah um it's cooperating what everybody has and then my favorite part of scrimmage is um Man, and I almost – you teased our draft we're going to do. I almost wish I could have a pick in there of, like, before the season um, something comes out on a Texas highlight video that confirms what we heard in a scrimmage, um, that's basically. Because that's – That's honestly good enough that we might as well just, you know, th- that's a little nugget for everybody that listens to both shows. Yeah. Um, I think uh, – I think like that's always the fun part, right? Is like you at one site reports something, one site reports something differently, and then the film from scrimmage comes out, the highlight video, and it's like, oh, he did have a one-handed catch uh, in the end zone, or he did throw this interception, or you know whatever the case may be. So always fun. Um, uh, let me ask you this, because we haven't really gotten into the nitty gritty of the season and, and breaking it down outside of really like talking about the Alabama game. I think last year, obviously, <clears throat> Louisiana Lafayette was a trendy pick to beat Texas, and and I think Texas handled them fairly fairly easily. I haven't heard that same uh, momentum behind Louisiana Monroe. They're not getting the same benefit of the doubt that uh, <laughs> that that their neighbors in Lafayette got. Is there any part of Louisiana Monroe that like fans should be? I, I mean, I feel like you've got a good enough read on other teams. Is there any part of Louisiana Monroe where you're like, oh, that could be a problem? It reminds me about, I think, two years ago before the UTEP game, where there are like three players that I do think are like power five quality players. And so they're getting a lot of highlight leading into that. Those individual matchups with those players um, are going to be pretty, uh, are going to be pretty interesting. But other than that, not necessarily. Like, I was thinking about this the other day of just, it's it's one of the easier Texas openers that we've had in ages. I mean, it's essentially yeah. just that UTEP game. And then before that, you go back to, you know, early Charlie era. It's different to have the best. It was game. Notre Dame twice to yeah. open. In Maryland twice, which is yeah. gut-wrenching. Um and, you know, last year, of course, um, you get Louisiana, which obviously Texas did handle them. But that's also a team you really have to prepare for. They ended up going, I think, 11-1, and one, uh, if memory serves, in the regular season. So Texas was kind of their only loss. I, I, I yeah. don't think there's a ton. Obviously, with UTSA, I think that they're going to be a trendy pick. But we both love Jeff Trailer a ton and – Obviously, he is a fantastic coach with how he's built that program. But I don't necessarily think that UTSA has the goods that Louisiana did last year to pull it upset after the Alabama game. Yeah. I So I look at UTSA and I think, what is a good scenario for Jeff Trailer in UTSA? Like outside of obviously winning the game is good, but what looks what looks good for them? Like – if they lose a game 63 to 35, but they put 35 on Texas, is that good for, for Jeff Trailer and the Roadrunners? It's it's seven points better than Texas Tech last year. 
That's a great point. That's a great point. So, um, yeah, I just I, w- I wonder about those those kind of things. Um, all right, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, before we get out of here? Any any other fall camp things? You know, just really non at you. I feel like we've we did like a full offense thing. We did a full defense thing in the last couple of weeks. So and and we'll continue. I don't to think hear there's more. been a ton new. Yeah, yeah, there's not a ton new other than the fact that some of you know, the our guys, I guess you could say, are having good falls like Byron Murphy. I heard some really good things about Juan Davis, which made me excited. In general, it just seems like the offense is really good coming together. And this year, I think will be good, could potentially be great. And then when you look ahead to 2023, I mean, you know, if they're able to pl- replace Bijan Robinson, I mean, just the, the stuff that we hear about the freshman offensive linemen, and we've talked about them forever, but, I mean, it, it feels good knowing that a lot of the early reporting has kind of fleshed out and went once the pads came on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate uh, everybody for listening. We appreciate you for taking the time to interact with our show. Uh, we appreciate all of you, basically. And we hope that you guys are excited and ready for this football season and what we've got in store for you. Uh, we thank you to Taylor Estes for producing the show for Hudson Standish. I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week.